Yeah. Here we come. Here it is. Okay. Welcome back. Here we are getting started. Girlfriends of Virtue. And you have your regular standing, Renee Moser and LJ Crawford. And we're welcoming today our girlfriend, Gay. And we got a couple other girlfriends that are going to join us, hopefully in the next few minutes. But we are going to kick off our Thursday evening chat talking about stereotypes and stigmas and how it affects us as black women and where we are today with this. So let's get started. Oh, I might. Oh, I removed Gay. Yeah, you did. Oh, Gay. Hey, Gay. Yeah, Gay must be trying to figure this out. <laughs> so type it. Gay, where's I'm your face? I'm just going to watch today. You know what? <laughs> the live video lady talking about. I'm just gonna watch, and it makes her little head. I mean, the little circle move. Okay. You. So you're not gonna contribute? Yes. I don't know. We'll, we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. I've never done this before, so I just want to okay. see how it goes. It's just talking to your friends. That's all. Yeah. And and you know what? Really, let let me just say this because I'm I'm not. First of all, I'm not a journalist. I'm not trying to pretend to be anything but me. And I'm just Renee, one of the girlfriends who uh, loves to talk. Everyone knows that. And I certainly like to talk about things that are meaningful. And hopefully, you know, somebody gets something from it. Mostly me. So this is not, you know, we're not scripted. It's not fancy. This is just like you're in my living room with me having a girlfriend talk. And tonight we're just talking about stereotypes, real talk and and and, and the, the, the reality of stereotypes. And you know what? Let's just start it off with this. Again, I for me, ladies, I, I, I want to deal with stereotypes within our own community. Right. right. Because I, I think this whole notion of the, the angry black woman, um, I think there's some other names, other choice words that some people might use, but uh, I, I feel like a lot of it is us projected on one another. And I'm not saying that we didn't learn it from white folks or the majority or what have you, but I'm, I'm just talking about how we are mistreating each other based on stereotypes. Maybe even some of us, let's be real about color, right? Uh, in fact, Gay won't show us her face, but I'm the darkest one of the three ladies here tonight, of the two, two other ladies here tonight. And that's still an issue. Is it not in our community? I had, I don't know if I've heard it in a while about the lights and the darks, but I remember a time. Lights and the darks. That's what they would call it, the lights and the darks. They said, oh, you a yellow girl. You so yellow. I, I used to be called a yellow Twinkie. I'm just going to put it out there. It was, it was hurtful, but I'm like, I'm still me. Yeah, but but I think the worst part is the again the stereotype. What's what's the stereotype about? Maybe a dark woman is a dark woman meaner? Is she ugly? Is it? I mean, what? Yeah, that the weren't so, so smart. Maybe I don't know. Well, it used to be well from what I remember was that darker women were more um, angry. And the the lighter complexed women were more prissy, and I thought that was kind of wrong at the time because at the time I was a militant little something, and so I was really angry. <laughs> so I I went against that grain. Wow, so I, that's that's interesting. Gay, have you ever heard that? Have you ever I heard? Have, that? I have <laughs> heard that. I have heard that you know dark people are mean and. Wow. Yeah, some people feel like they're not pretty, and I'm going to lead you into something else that you may not want to cover today, but like I asked a black man who was dark-skinned, you know, how sometimes men say they don't, they won't date a dark-skinned woman or they won't date a black woman, and one of the reasons a guy gave me was because he didn't want his daughter, if he should have a girl, to be dark-skinned, because he was dark-skinned and have to go through some of the things that dark-skinned women have to 
go through. Mm. Wow. That is. That's, that's good stuff. And you know why I say it's good stuff? Because, first of all, seriously, we're, we're not talking about this enough. Mm-mm. Okay. And I'm, I'm thinking about myself because I'm in, I guess I'm in the category of dark. Sometimes I don't know, right? Um, but I must say, I, I had never heard the, the stereotype that the darker you are, the angrier you are. I definitely knew that the darker you were, you weren't considered as pretty. Now that's for sure. And 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 I always knew that had to do with something being, you know, the, the lighter you were, the closer to wire you were, and therefore you certainly, I guess, were more desirable or more likable. But the notion that you were mean or angry or something like that, I just didn't know. And I don't know, I just have navigated through life with my dark skin. <laughs> I mean. I don't know, with no real regards to that. Now, now I'll be honest, as a child, thing again, there was not much of an issue about my complexion, maybe with the exception to the fact that my mother is a light-skinned woman or lighter-skinned woman. And so my sister and I, uh, my sister just right up under me. She's light, I'm dark. So, that, so people would say things like, well, that's not your mother. You know, they would say that we didn't have the same mother because I was too dark. And of course, things like that was hurtful. Um, And I suppose that they said that definitely she was prettier because she was lighter. Um, Or even I get with me and my daughter, you know, some people think my daughter's father's white. (laughs) You know, she's so white. Is she biracial? Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, so things like that, I mean, but I don't know that that's stereotypes. I mean, I, I maybe it's stigmas, but at the end of the day, it, it is all very hurtful and it's very traumatizing, I think, to your mental state. Right. And that's, that's what we need to deal with because it is still really an issue today. In fact, let me share a story. I was watching, and I, I never watched these reality shows, but this had to be mm, maybe six months ago. I just happened to catch a hip love and hip hop Miami. And the young ladies on that show were talking about the fact that the industry, so this is six months ago, and they were saying how the dark skinned uh, women who are rappers or entertainers. Bottom line, uh, they, they're not getting treated the same. They're not getting the same opportunities. And they really felt held back because of, because of this. And I, I, I thought that was really interesting, definitely very sad. And I guess to me, versus kind of uh, complaining that well, I'm dark and I'm not getting a job, I, mean, I don't know. I'm just such a fighter. My thing is, well, what what can we do to overcome this or to move past it? Not to really think, oh my God, like we're dark I and we're not getting paid. Like, I don't yeah. know. I think about that. There was one girl on one of those shows. She was a rapper and she was from Jamaica. So she was dark skinned. She's a beautiful woman and she could rap really well. So she felt like if she bleached her skin that she would be accepted more and so she went to her friends of course this was love hip-hop atlanta actually and so she went to a doctor and she had a full face like makeup she went somewhere and had herself turned white and they didn't even know who she was and they thought it was real one girl started crying how can you allow society Interesting. So you're you're telling me that right today we are so impacted by well in this case this is not 
I don't think this is a stereotype we're talking about. Now we're just talking about the color, but in the effect that people's, well, I guess maybe it is stereotypes. If the stereotype is that black is ugly and black or dark is ugly, dark is not smart, dark is angry. Well, you don't want to be any of that, right? So you want to be light. Wow. Wow. You know, if we were you going to take it into the business part of it too about the stigma yeah go ahead so i was um good grief come back brain oh so in the workplace sometimes if a black woman you know speaks up truly speaks up and she's firm in her tone and she means what she says and she's not him and hon the audience that she may be speaking to may find her offensive or aggressive. And I myself, I'm like rainbows and butterflies. When I stood up for myself a couple times and I, you know, stood flat foot and said exactly what I wanted to say, never raised my voice. I've never seen you act like this before. You are being very offensive to me. I'm like, I'm not talking to you the way you're talking to me right now. Is it what why why am I being offensive when you have screamed and hollered in this office and it was okay? But because I'm giving you the facts about how I'm feeling, I'm aggressive. Now that's something that I can relate to, and that's something that really bothers me because white guys, I mean, I've seen in my work experience, white men yell. Oh, I mean, do to me act very unprofessional, um, very inappropriate, and yet if they're a producer, if they're deemed to be good at whatever their technical job is, right? It's like, oh, you know that's Jack. Yeah. Oh, you know that's Jack. That's how he but, is. But like you said, if 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 a woman, and in particular a white, a black woman, because in my experience, let me see. I I guess I just feel like I, I don't know if I've had very many white women. I, I I I did have a white woman boss who was very strong, and and she was very disrespected outside of her, you know, obviously outside of her face where men would refer to her as bees and all kinds of things because she was definitely, she was strong, she was affirmative, uh, she was straightforward. But I, I can say in my career, I haven't seen a whole lot of hers. Right. alone a whole lot of me. So I definitely would say, yeah, when a woman is affirmative, you don't have to use your voice. Even like myself, like for me, I seem to intimidate people just my presence and, and, I don't know because maybe my presence says I'm serious. <laughs> That's because people believe that you know we we fight. Like you said, they believe we're angry. They believe that we fight. You know, they talk about how we move our neck and our head when we talk to each other, and they're just in general fearful of our skin color. Right. So be it male, female, you know, they're just fearful of a black person for whatever reason. I don't, I don't understand it, but. Well, well, but talking about how it really affects us. And so let's go back to that point, Lisa, that you just made about the experience you had, but how did that really affect you? How, you know, how does that really make you feel when you show up in the workplace and you're producer, you're productive, but when you find yourself having to sort of stand your ground, yeah, it was permanent, and then now you get misjudged. How, how does that really make you feel? So I've evolved. At the time when that happened, I was very sensitive to people and what they thought and how what I said affected them. Mm -hmm. That was some years ago, a few years ago. I've evolved now to pretty much I said what I said. So, you know, and this is what I meant. So I mentally had to understand that what I was saying had value. I wasn't trying to hurt them. I was trying to help and be of service. 
But over here, I wanted them to like me years ago. I wanted them to like what I said and be in agreement with me. At this point in my life, I'm like, okay, this is what it is. We can have a discussion about it, but you're not going to affect me internally. Now that's that's deep and welcome Simone. We're glad to have you here. Gaze the black eye. <laughs> Gaze the black eye. Like she's totally like, okay, I'm here, but I don't really want anybody to know I'm here. So I'm she's the black eye, but she's definitely um, contributing. And so we're talking about uh, stereotypes, stereotypes, stigmas, particularly uh, we talked about the color. And so Simone joins us. Now we if Gay would show her face, then they, the world would see that we're evenly divided now. We have two light women, we have two darker women. Wow. So we are talking about these stereotypes about dark women. And I asked, we started off asking, had they ever heard, had any of us ever heard of these stereotypes about, you know, if you're a dark woman, what does that mean? And for me, Simone, I said I had never honestly really heard of anything other than darkness and women are not pretty but i hadn't heard the stereotype that darker skinned women are angrier unhappy more aggressive etc so what about you um i i think i've heard that darker skinned women are supposed to be angrier but mostly i've heard that darker skinned women aren't supposed to be beautiful you know when i was younger i used right. to uh, I guess it was supposed to be a compliment uh, for a dark girl compliment. Um, and I got that often when I was younger. But then I'm like, that's not a compliment. <laughs> like, that's like, why can't I just be pretty? You know, why does it have to be a pretty for a dark skin girl? Why does it have to be that? But that was a stereotype that I was associated with, you know, or that I've heard about dark skinned women um, when I was younger. What about now? Do, do you think the state, I mean, clearly, and I've shared a lot of information this week online, um, the, the notion of stereotypes um, are still very prevalent today and affecting us today in the workplace, particularly as black women, no matter what. Right. Um, I mean, for today, do I think it exists? Probably so, but I just haven't heard it as much. I mean, I just think the black women as a whole, we we get a we stereotype just as black women, period. So I don't know if I hear it as much dark versus light, or if you're dark skin, you're this, or whatever the case may be. I, I, I can't say that I have. You know? What about in the workplace? I mean, I know you've been in the same place for, for quite a while. Um, and you're in Atlanta, so that's unique for Black women to me. I, I, I feel like, I mean, really, just being honest, um, given that I've lived a lot of places and most of my career, my work environment has been predominantly white environment. So you work in Atlanta where you have the pleasure of, of getting to work with a lot more Black folks, Black women. Um, do you think the stereotype is just as prevalent among black folks, if you will, as it would be or maybe in a majority white or other environment. I'm only working predominantly black environments. <laughs> um, so I've been blessed in that. Like I, I've only worked in predominantly black environments. And in my environments that I work, I don't hear that. Like I don't hear um well because you're dark skin you act a certain way or anything like that um i've been in this particular context that i work in it's really just been the reputation of the work itself will determine what people think they don't think i'm angrier because i'm a dark skinned woman because most people evaluate me on the work that i do and not judging me before even knowing the work that i do so i haven't I personally have experienced, but I definitely work. I'm an anomaly in the environment in which I work in, where I'm surrounded by mostly women, mostly black women. Um, in the environments that I work in, the, the, the individuals who I see on a daily basis are black women. Um, so whether or not there are other individuals talking about that, I, I have not seen nor have I experienced it. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but, and I'm also in a very different 
environment than most people. And that's really good, right? Because that's, I think that's part of the thing for us in our community, right? Like we are so not monolithic and our experiences are so different depending upon where you're coming from, depending upon where you're situated. I mean, and that's why it's so important to me to be able to hear from black folks perspective, the range, right? Because for me personally, um, I personally, I believe that I have experienced what probably I guess could be a stereotype, like the fact that I'm from the North. Like I never thought about that. And, I, and I've been living throughout the South for, for definitely more than a decade, but it's only in the past sort of five, three to five years that I came to realize that, oh, wow, I, I'm not just a black woman, I'm a Northern black woman. And, and there's a difference. And people say things like, I talk funny. I talk different. I, I mean, you know, things that, to be honest, is very hurtful. And it, it's come, it has come from as many Black folks as it has white. Now, so, I get that. Like, I get, I'm from the North, too, and I live in the South. So, and I don't actually know if it's about attitude, but people... People say, and it's not necessarily a negative thing all the time. It's just like you act different because you're from the north, and maybe I do. <laughs> just in which the way in which I grew up is a little bit different than being in the south. So that's kind of what I get. But it's never been. I've been blessed to not have anything. Let me say to my face being negative. Right. Now, will I have individuals? Who may try me? I think it's because sometimes I'm dealing with not just the fact that I'm black, but I'm younger mm-hmm. than I'm dealing. With. So I'm an attorney. Yeah. So if I'm dealing with opposing counsel and mm-hmm. they're older, sometimes I get from yeah. older white males. Yeah. Sometimes it's, and it's and I think it's a combination of things. I think it's because I'm a woman. I'm young. Maybe I'm black too. So I I don't mm-hmm. even know. Which one they're picking it, but it's right. It could be all of them. I don't know. But normally, once they see that I am about my business, mm-hmm. then you can get in line very quickly. But I think anybody will try you because they think you're young. And oftentimes, I think it's because of they think I'm young, and so they they don't think I'm I'm as um equipped or ready or prepared when they meet with me. And right. so I think that, but I think it could be. All of the above combined into one, though, right? Like I don't know which one it is. Pick one because it could be all of them. Um, well, I, I definitely agree with that, and I'm sure Lisa and, and Gay can attest to that as well. Because even when Lisa said, you know, like now things that used to bother you don't bother. You. So once you get you a certain age, to be honest, it seems like to me for Black women, uh, probably because of the stereotype that. If, if we get any respect, we definitely have to seemingly be much older, which is kind of crazy. Or not it's, it, it is crazy. Um, but, this, but, but the notion that we are a certain way, I'm saying my experiences, I, I definitely know that that's not just white people thinking that, that's, that's black folks treating each other the same way. You know, um, and, and let's add another factor in your class, right? Um, you know, I let me say so when I went to law school and oh, Renee, hold on before you start. I think Lisa has to leave us. Yes, I do. Yeah, I just want, I want to stay as long as I could, but thanks, Simone. You all have a great one. It's been real. Thanks, Lisa. See you next time. Yes, right ma'am. <laughs> um let's see, how do I do that? Okay. Um, so I was just gonna say when I went to law school, you know. Um, at that time, I'm 30 years old and not really thinking about things like being a first generation to go to college, period, let alone law school. But that's when I, I moved to North Carolina. And I think I really would say that was probably the first time I ever had black people to question my blackness, mm-hmm. you know, based on what, you know, they perceive me to talk a certain way. Like, Renee, you're not really from Detroit. Are you from the suburbs? Like what? Wow. Wow. You know, and I, I I met other colleagues who, like myself, came from very humble beginnings, who were first generation and maybe they didn't talk 
the way I do. And therefore people didn't perceive them to be as intelligent. And now that I think about it, I'm thinking about people who are also dark skinned. So I don't know if that played a role into it. You know, I don't know. But um, that was a shock for me mm-hmm. because I went to law school at a black school mm-hmm. with black people. And that was the first time for me to really see the class differential among our community and how we could treat each other based on that class difference or the perceived class difference. Uh-oh, somebody that got upset with me. Who's sending me an angry? They don't. Uh, uh, Dolores Weaver. Who is that? Dolores. Where are you looking at? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. Maybe she, maybe Dolores doesn't want us to talk about stereotypes and stigmas. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, well, Dolores. Um, I don't know. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but <laughs> that's interesting. You know, see, that's another thing. But that I, I like this. This is what's nice when you're on this Facebook Live and some people can get excited. Some people, you know, I don't know where we'll rebuff you, but that's the good part about life. If you if you're not on the same boat, just keep your boat going. Don't worry about the it might it might tip over. But the reality is, this is something we need to deal with because the fact that this is 2020, and um, I think it was uh, Lisa Simone who just shared a story about one of the folks on Love and Hip Hop for Atlanta who actually went to get her her skin bleached because she really felt like that's what she needed to do to be much more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 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 heavy. That's hurtful. That's sad. Um, and and the reality is these stereotypes and these stigmas that we carry, unbeknownst to us in many cases, is very is very hurtful and is very impactful to your mental state. Because I think the reality is most people or many of us are might be a little bit more inclined to kind of internalize such things, such thoughts. And it prevents us, it stifles our growth. And we no longer want to step out front or, you know, be our best self because we're so afraid and worried about what people are thinking of us. What are your thoughts on that, Gay? I think that you are absolutely right in that it makes us fearful in terms of being our best selves. I don't know if some of this may have stemmed from slavery and, you know, they used to call the light-skinned women or the lights would work in the house and the mm-hmm. dark-skinned people would work in the field. And, you know, that's been an issue for us as a people, you know, because if they felt like the ones at the house uh the house slaves, like I said, we all slaves, but they felt like the ones that work in the house were better than the ones that worked in the field. And I think it's just, you know, I think that's probably where it may have originated and it's just, you know, been passed down through the generations as to and like I said, lighter you are, the more opportunities you were afforded. Like you talked about the actors and actresses where they go up, go for roles. The light-skinned women were more apt to get a role than the dark-skinned women. It's, you know, it's just perpetuated itself down through the years. Mm. Um. Well, it's 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 still very real today. I mean, oh, yeah. let's let's think about the first lady, Michelle Obama, and the things that happened to her. I mean, really, to be honest, the things she talked about throughout the entire time, you know, they were in the White House and the 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 kind of comments that were made about her, uh, the images that were depicted of her. I mean, just the outright assault against her, and and I think many of us probably weren't even keeping up with that. But that that was unreal and and it's still unreal because the truth is many of us who are nowhere near on the level of the White House are facing that every day 
in, in everyday workplaces, you know, and, and, and really it's, it's clearly adding to the mental stress um, of black women. And I know that we are among the hardest working people. I mean, they say that we were the most educated, but yet we're still the least paid. Mm-hmm. And but yet we're reliable for the polls. We're reliable for everything that matters. But yet somehow, regardless of our color, we're still viewed as less than. You know, and I just I, I just wanted to talk about this today because I, I really like I said, for me, my experiences have been a bit different. I, I'm seeing it from a majority perspective, but I'm also seeing it from us. And, and so this whole notion of crabs in the barrel, if you will, um, is very prevalent. And those stereotypes that have been passed down from white folks, we have sort of internalized and, and we're using them against each other. Um, Simone Gay was talking about a, a, a guy friend that she was talking to and how he felt like he didn't want uh, to, what would you say, Gay, be with a, a dark skinned woman? Yes, because he was dark skinned and he said he if he should have a daughter, he didn't want her to experience things that I guess like his sister and mom had gone through because they were dark skinned. Yeah, I mean, and, I, and I've heard that. Like I've heard that on multiple occasions where, and I mean, I've heard it from women too, right? I've heard women say, like dark skinned women who would say, I want to, I remember being in high school and like, they'd be like, well, I, I need a light-skinned man. I'm like, oh, all right. I mean, if that's what you want, like, and, and I guess I'm always like, it's preference, right? Like, whatever it is that you want. And it does become sad when you're not doing it. If you fall in love with this dark-skinned girl, you're like, no, I can't fall in love with you. You dark-skinned, so I, I just can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, what I it's like, you, you know, don't choose them because just because of their skin color. It got to right. be more to it than that. Right. But there are people who you know, were treated horribly when they were young. I mean, I can recall when I was younger, man, I mean, I thank God for having parents and family that encouraged me. But I mean, I remember being in school, I was called African, well, African booty scratcher, tar baby. I mean, the list goes on. And honestly, I can say as a dark skinned woman, I remember when I was younger, I used to go in the bathroom thinking I could scrub myself to be light skinned. <laughs> and I, was like, oh, I can't do that. So, but when I got to school, I went to Howard University, I went to HBCU. And I and I also went to school like in the early 2000s where I feel like dark skinned women became popular for a moment because you had like the Lauren Hill and the Neo Soul movement. And so everybody wanted a dark skinned girl. Like, I felt like it was like a badge of honor. But it was funny because, but when I got to Howard, you saw so many beautiful black people, mm-hmm. all different hues, all different complexions, all different complexities, and being dark was celebrated, right? And so it took a while for me to become comfortable in my skin to be able to say, I am pretty. Dark or not, I am a beautiful woman. But it definitely took some time because growing up, I'm from Philadelphia originally. That's what I got in school. Like I got that quite often. And this was elementary school because I was an all girls high school. I was an all girls high school. So that kind of helped me really become strong in who I am as a woman. But I mean, through elementary school, that you heard that. I mean, I probably heard that from like third grade to eighth grade, and that can take a toll on you. But when you don't have outside support, then right. and, and outside encouragement or outside individuals telling you, no, you are beautiful. No, you are. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you are. You know, whatever other adjective that you need to. Um, to be encouraged, or if you're not strong enough to encourage yourself, you can grow up and start to think, oh, well, when I get older, I have to marry someone who looks like this. Because of this. But what I am blessed to do now, or as I'm older, I know that if the Lord blesses me with a daughter or even a son, I can be able to say, you are beautiful, period. Right. And pour love into them, but I can understand how people mindset can be that way because of how they've grown up, what was instilled in them, what they saw, and you don't want your kids to have to struggle the way you did. Um, But funny for your friend Gay, well, he doesn't know science, like, 
he can marry the lightest girl in the world, but that child still come out dark skin because we don't know how that will work. So I mean, I understand his what he's trying to do, but his child can still come out dark skin. And then what is he gonna do? Not love his child if the child is dark skin. So you know. But you know what? This this is really deep. And Simone, and I appreciate you sharing that childhood story because for me, to be honest, that's what I'm talking about. And that's where we talk about the mental state, right? And how it you know, how racism, how sexism, how bias, prejudice, how it really does create mental health issues. Because I think while you definitely come from a loving, supportive family, and, and many people do, but for whatever reason, you know, being called names like that, for some people, they never overcome. Or for that matter, when you become an adult, and then you realize maybe you're not getting a promotion. And then you start thinking about why. Is it because I'm dark? Is it because of this? Is it because I'm black? Is it because I'm female? You know, um, how impactful that is. And wow. I don't know. For myself, let me just say this. You See, I got a scar. So I got burned when I was six months old. So as far as I know, like I came into the world different. And having to explain, like, you know, as a kid in elementary school, what happened to you? What happened to you? And, of course, when I made some people angry, uh, they would call me names. But I was such a tough kid that it was like, if you call me something, I say, your mama. You know, and, yeah, I mean, really, like you said, I'm ugly. Your mama's ugly. That kind of thing. I, yeah, I mean, I'm from Detroit, so I don't know. Maybe that's what, that's what we were taught. But um, I don't I honestly... I, I don't recall really feeling so unpretty because I was dark. I do recall color being an issue between color and your hair. So nappy head, you didn't want to have a nappy head. And and maybe that's a stereotype about black women, our hair being nappy or whatever. And I, I really despise using that word. I, I really do because I do have, or I did have very uh, coiled hair. So it would fit that nappy description. Um, but I didn't grow up really conscious about dark skin and, and being dumb or angry or anything like that. So I thank God for that. But I, do, I realized that many people did grow up hearing those things and even coming into because I remember when I got to law school, meeting beautiful women like Simone who were dark like myself or maybe darker, but who did still have issues as young adults with their skin complexion and really feeling pretty. And I remember being a, a rather shy, you know, um, I even dated someone who was dark skinned and he being a Southern guy um, said that was something that he grew up, you know, under that veil of being a dark skinned guy and not so half handsome or, or just not feeling good about himself because he was dark. And again, like I said, I remember be, being in shock about that, like, wow. So now here we are in 2020 and we're still dealing with this. And this still is very, very pervasive. Um, and the fact that we mistreat each other, let alone white folks mistreat us because we're dark or um, because of our hair. You know, even we wear braids, we wear locks. It's not like theirs. Um, I, I think that's another thing. I don't have hair. So I didn't realize that I'm making a statement in some places. I mean, like, really, I, I, I really did not consider myself to be making a statement. I just knew that my hair was thinning. I had to cut my hair off. It wasn't growing back. If you know me, you know that I've been natural for almost 20 years. So for me to like really be wearing wigs is totally not me. Um, so I just accepted and adjusted and I wear this bald head. But for some people in certain places, that's a statement. What is that statement? That I'm black and I love it, you know? And to think that that's a problem, you know, I think that's, now I can tell you that really does bother me. And when I was made aware, and I would say I was really made aware of this in 2017, 2018, that yeah, like black lady, bald head lady, Northern black lady, like, yeah, you're not appreciated. and. The way you talk, you know, you think you're smart. I mean, yeah, that all of those things were hurtful. Now, it didn't change me, but it was hurtful to realize, like, wow, who I am goes against the narrative for who I should be. 
It goes against the norm. Like you're not the norm. You're not what people expect. Or you're not not necessarily the norm. You're not what people are comfortable with. <laughs> I think that's what it becomes. This is like, is there a sense of comfort? And so what I can appreciate now though is that black women are saying, I am who I am, and you're gonna have to figure out how to be comfortable, right? Like that thing, right. and it's like natural, you know, this natural hair, like this is the hair that God put on my head that grew out of my head. And guess what? I don't need to relax it anymore to make you comfortable, right? Like I am still that same smart, intelligent person that you hire, that you got to a relationship with. And guess what? You're going to have to deal with it. <laughs> like, and, and it is beautiful how people are just embracing that and embracing who they are. You know, you're wearing your natural protective styles. You know, I know in my field, I'm a little, it's a little bit more conservative, but I still can get my hair and I'm, I'm still going to put it in braids and I'm still going to still be professional and I'm still going to do good work, but that does and it doesn't change who I am. And you're learning to accept that, you know, you got states that are passing the crown act, right? Because we're now, we're not going to discriminate against. Isn't that unbelievable? That is unbelievable. Tell us Simone about the crown act. I mean, just, I mean, something that you can't discriminate against a person because of how they wear their hair. And, and so you're talking, I mean, that's the general outline. Right. Of, but, you know, the fact that we still have to pass that now so that people aren't discriminated against, um, it's a problem. But I, but I can appreciate that we're trying just to come into our own and be who our authentic selves. And I think that that's what's, what's important. It's going to take time. I mean, people... When people have been taunted because of who they are and what they can't change for years upon years upon years, it, it does affect your psyche in a different way. And you have to really start to believe for yourself mm -hmm. that you are beautiful. But sometimes if you've been hearing this for 30 years, for 20 years, and, now, and you have to now change your mindset, it's hard because that's how you've been conditioned um, for so long. And so you have to give people an opportunity to understand and to really dig deep to where that comes from. And then you're not even just talking about outsiders. Sometimes we know we have families who treated one child differently because of their complexion or gave more preference. So you're not only dealing with outside factors, but sometimes these people have family factors that occur in their own life that they're having to deal with too. It's, it's a lot that a person who may still struggle with their skin complexion has to deal with. But what, what do you think about in the workplace? Because when you talk about Crown Act, so that means somebody has a bias about your way you wear your hair. So, I mean, think about it. Simone, if you go into a job interview and the person interviewing you, maybe they don't even know they have the bias, but you show up with your braids. So now they're totally turned off of you because simply because you have braids. They don't like it or they don't think it's a trap. I mean, that's 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 heavy because how how do you deal with that? Or how do you help people to to understand? Are you saying something gay? No. I was saying, how do you help people to understand? Well, first of all, to even identify such a bias that probably they may not be even aware of. Mm. I mean, because here's the thing. When, when I first went to Texas in 2010, I had locks. And it never dawned on me that maybe my struggle with getting work initially had something to do with my hair. And I remember it took me, it was over a year when one of my white friends mentioned that to me. And I just remember thinking, wow. I said, well, if that's the case, it doesn't matter. I'm not changing my hair. But did I suffer for not changing my hair? I guess I did because I didn't even work. So now the fact that we're passing a crown act, wow. And I'm sure you can't sue, even even though you have this act. How are you going to sue? How would you ever prove that somebody didn't hire you because of your hair? I guess if you can prove that you have, you know, the credentials, your credentials are better than somebody else's, 
than and you possibly should have or could have gotten the job. I know you could probably do it in government work. I don't know how hard it would be to do it in private industry, but it I think you could prove it in government work. Well, why would we pull this out? That's a concern, and it's also, you know, there have been several cases in the news over the last couple of years where little kids, little girls, little boys have tried to go to school, and the school they went to had said, you know, they can't wear that hairstyle to school, and have asked them to either cut their hair or change their hair. And I think that's going to be, you know, a detriment to them in their growing up. I hope that they have parents and loved ones around them that can, you know, encourage them. It's just like you're trying to tell the child they can't be, they can't have their their normal culture or their black culture. They have to accept the culture that, you know, the white people have. Well, let's close it out on this. Let me ask you this. So Gay is an engineer and she now has sister locks. Uh, so she she just locked her hair. Did you you started last year, right? Well, it's like the last week right before New Year. So yeah. essentially this year. But Gay is almost at retirement as well. So she's been working a long time. So she's certainly seen the culture change in the workplace. And so why don't you just share with us for you, like was there a time that you really felt uncomfortable about wearing your natural hair in the workplace? And what at what point did you begin to feel very comfortable, especially to the point where you are now that you finally decided to lock your hair? Um, I don't know when you say at what point. I, I've always thought natural hair was beautiful, but I have very kinky, coily, coarse hair that doesn't do anything. And I guess I have probably been natural for about four years. And, you know, the the getting braid, I wore the braids and the, I've worn everything you can think of, the weeds, the braids, the whatever, the whatever. And I was just tired of that. I figure, I'm at, you know, I'm about at my career's end. Like I said, I, you know, I'll probably retire within the next two to five years. And I'm like, it's time for me to be me. <laughs> and I'm not really concerned about, you know, what the rest of the world thinks about me. <laughs> so you, I just think you have to get to that point that you have to be your authentic, true self. And like I said, if, if that's not what they want, then that's not the place I need to be or either I need to work to change that culture. But do you say, I mean, do you see that you're saying you're going to retire in the next two to five years? It's been only in the last four to five years that you even been natural and, and it's taken you to a long time to arrive at this place where you're really able to be free and be you. And, and you see how, like, what's wrong with that? Like, you spent yeah. your whole career committed to an organization producing, but at the same time, not really being able to be your full self. Yeah, but one thing I'll say, though, is in this, in the South, or in the Southeast, maybe not in a, cities like Atlanta, but in Chattanooga, there weren't a lot of people wearing their hair natural. Natural just really has become a thing, you know, the last, I don't know, six, seven years, I guess. You know, there were onesies and twosies, but the overwhelming majority was still wearing relaxers. <laughs> so it has just become a, and like I said, I didn't want to go natural at first just because I knew I couldn't, like I said, I the texture of my hair to me, it's difficult to manage. And I just didn't think I could do anything with it. And I couldn't. <laughs> well, this has been good. Good information. And um, I guess we'll just close out on this. You know, stereotypes and stigmas really do hurt. And they really do cause pain um, and problems for many of us. And so I, I can't say enough for for folks to I, I can't say enough to encourage you that if 
you know, you're dark or you got coily hair or whatever it is about you that as a black woman in particular, that the world doesn't like or subscribe to. So what? So what? Embrace yourself and know that there's lots of folks out here like us that are pushing back and saying, hey, we love ourselves. We're being ourselves and we're going to do ourselves. And just like Simone said, you know, women, black women in particular, all across this country really are pushing back and refusing to get perms, just refusing to conform to uh, what's considered to be ideal beauty. We, we're embracing ourselves and loving ourselves. And yes, as black women, we come in different shades, different sizes, and definitely different hair textures. So uh, yeah, yeah. And for us, Let's love each other because at the end of the day, here's the deal. Whether you're light or dark, rich or poor, we are all still black and therefore disregarded and disrespected at the end of the day. So any last words from either of you? No, I mean, just be your authentic self. Like, and what I'm all, what I've, what I'm learning and growing into is that God created me, right? And God know what he created and God created a beautiful image. So I'm just learning to be my authentic self and whether and that's appreciating the skin that I'm in, the hair that's on my head. And if maybe I want to relax it because that's what I want to do. Or maybe I want to wear a weave or maybe I want to wear a wig or maybe I want to wear braids or maybe I just want to wear this natural state. But at the end of the day, I have to be authentically me. And so I'll tell everyone here who's listening, be your authentic you, be who you are and know that God has created you um, to be that. And that's all that really matters. That's a good word. What about you, Gay? Well, along with what Simone has said, I feel like that's part of our beauty it's because we can change whatever we want. We can be light skin, we can be dark skin, we can be somewhere in the middle, we can have long hair, we can have short hair, it can change overnight. Our, a lot of our counterparts, when you go to work, they look at us and go, what did you do to your hair? Did your hair grow? You know, I had two inches of hair yesterday and it's down my back, but that's the beauty of us all. But I do want to make sure that we as a race talk to our young people and our children and make sure that they're okay and that they know that they're beautiful and that they're loved. That's right. And, and, and on that note, and lastly, let's say definitely, let's stop treating each other differently based on uh, the skin color. Because like you said, Simone, you don't really know, especially for us, you don't know what you're going to get. You could be two dark parents with a really light baby. You know, you don't have to be a light parent, a dark parent, or you, you get a mix of children, love them all equally, like for real, because they are your children. Yeah, this is good. This is why I love having girlfriends over. Okay, girlfriends, time to go home. Have a good night, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>